Hey everybody, I just want to take a moment to talk about a new thing I'm doing. Over the years, many of you have reached out to me telling me how much you love the podcast, but also wish there were more personalized takeaways and more in-depth interactions with our guests to hear what they think about comedy. This is why I'm now launching my new digital academy, Blueprint for Success. With exclusive interviews and comedy philosophies of stars and industry veterans, personalized versions of the Industry Standard podcast, commercial-free, and one-on-one coaching time with me. Blueprint for Success will give you the powerful tools that will take you up the elevator beyond the competition and reach the highest possible levels to achieve your dreams. Whether it be stand-up, sketch, improv, acting, writing, producing, directing, hosting, radio podcasting, social media influencing, or even if you want a career behind the scenes as a manager or an agent. Now I'm here to help, personally. We'll go on an express train of comedy and entertainment like nobody else has before. You can find out more about Blueprint for Success and the comedy business on my website at barrycats.com. Together, we'll take your career where you want it to go. What I'm doing, the last thing that I ever want to do is I'm doing my one-person show, and it's going to be, finally, I can get to the place of authenticity and talk about this stuff and get past trying to please people because that's what it's all about. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Industry Standard with me, Barry Katz. I love this time of year where you finish one great holiday and then you're gearing up for the next one. And then right after that, the New Year's. It's so great. It's like a trifecta of happiness, family, and fun. I'm looking forward to it all, and I'm glad I'm sharing this episode with you today with Judy Carter, part two. This woman is incredibly inspirational and a wealth of knowledge and has worked with some of the greatest people in the business. And I know you're going to love this episode a lot. Very inspirational. If you need to reach me, you can do so at Barry Katz at Twitter or Instagram. Just follow me and I will reach out to you and I will contact you. If you contact me, we will figure it out. I'm very grateful to all of you, as always, for everything you've done to make this show a success. I'll say it a hundred times, without you, this show is nothing. So I'm very, very grateful. And when I think of Judy Carter, I think of somebody who has overcome so many different things. It's hard enough to make it in this business. But there's certain things that happen in our lives that we have no control over. And in her case, an alcoholic father, a severely disabled sister, and for herself, suffering through severe speech impediments and depression. But throughout it all, she knew what she wanted to do. She knew she wanted to be in the entertainment business, knew she wanted to perform, went for it. And before she knew it, she had performed on over a hundred television shows and was opening for Prince in Las Vegas. But a funny thing happened. 
she decided that she wanted to do something different, that she wanted to access her mind and everything that was in her mind, all the knowledge, all the expertise that she had about the comedy business, and she wanted to put it in writing and put a book together that could be helpful to other people in the business and relate to everybody in many other businesses. But more adversity, rejected by close to 60 literary agents, only to fight through the disappointment and the negativity and the no's and turn it into a yes with Random House. And not only that, turning the book into a huge, huge success, so much so that she was interviewed by Oprah Winfrey on The Oprah Winfrey Show. Incredible. And after that, you can write a lot of tickets. You can do speaking engagements. You can do seminars, workshops, anything to access your mind and help people learn about what it takes to get to the next level. And that's exactly what she did and wrote more books and put together more workshops and became one of the premier people in the world in terms of stand-up comedy and the world of comedy. And it's just an incredible story. I mean, think about it. All the obstacles, all the things that were in her way, all the difficulties, all the no's. But she figured it out and she accessed her mind and the mind is a powerful thing. All the knowledge you have locked inside there is valuable, but you gotta figure out how to turn it into something valuable. And that's exactly what she did. And she took a bold choice away from what she was successful at, doing comedy on television. But she did it and made it work. And let me tell you something. If you can figure out a way to do that, to overcome all your obstacles, and all your adversity and just try to put it behind you and keep moving forward even when people are telling you no, believing in yourself. And then once you get to where you wanna go, have the faith to know that there's other lanes out there that are in your mind that are accessible and valuable. And if you can figure out a way to do that, I can guarantee you you can have the kind of career that Judy Carter has. Here we go in three, two. This show will have laughter. I got everybody pregnant with Barry Katz and semen. I'm not comfortable with the tone this is taking. If you're undeniable, you will not be denied. If you want to be successful in show business, you get yourself a Jew white manager like Barry Katz. <laughs> Being a manager is just turning no's into yeses. Creating holy shit moments. Undeniable. You fucking firing me up, Katz. I love this man. Is there anything else I should know? You're on. What? Out of the air! Barry Katz. Back in the house. 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 Let's do this. Tell our audience what point that you felt that you were at the highest point of your trajectory in the business. What was happening where momentum was so far on your side and you were invincible and you'd walk into the clubs and you'd feel that feeling like, yeah, motherfuckers, I'm here. 
I well, the, I I think I felt that that night for Prince because I remember having the sense that I could fly. I remember standing there. I, I think I jumped up on a piano. I don't know how to jump up on a piano. I I jumped up on a grand. P- how the hell did I jump up or jump down from a piano? That was the night where if I go through my whole career and I go, that was the night. As far as career-wise goes, you know, I've reinvented myself so much, but the, my when my career really hit was not doing comedy. It was uh, being with Oprah Winfrey. That's when my whole career shifted and everything changed. But that's where your career shifted from stand-up comedy to inspiring people to be the best representation of themselves were you planning that shift for a while or did it just happen and tell our audience how the oprah winfrey thing happened okay okay this is this is um sometimes quitting is not quitting sometimes quitting is really a good thing okay sometimes quitting is beginning I like that. Quitting. I love that. Quitting is beginning. Okay, there I am playing governors in Long Island. Rick Messina was booking me now. Rick Messina was a booking agent with Tony Camacho on the East Coast. They booked the majority of the shows there. And now Rick manages Tim Allen and Drew Carey and several other people oh, and yeah. never has to work again. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and so Rick booked me on all these things. And um, governors, I heard uh, Paula Poundstone say this. Um, that she said, um, God tilted uh, the world and all the scum fell down to <laughs> governors in Long Island. This is a place where they, you know, I'm trying to do authentic material. I, I want to do a, some, a, a joke that has Simone de Beauvoir in it. I want to do something heady and smart. And, and because of the audiences, I kept ending up doing dick jokes because it was like, you know, I couldn't, get that i couldn't i wanted to do more than make people laugh i want to make them think i want to make them feel i wanted to i wanted to put emotion in it it was the whole thing of setup payoff setup payoff was was driving me crazy and so there i am at governor's and um and they start to heckle me. You suck. You think you're funny. You're not funny. And that's why I was walking up to the stage. I wasn't <laughs> even on the friggin' stage yet, right? And so they're heckling me. And, and I'm do, going into a joke going, I'm worried about getting old. And I was like 32 at the time. Not, I was young. And, and some guy said, getting old, look at you. It was so mean. And I looked at the audience. And they looked like a Fellini film. They looked like... And then I realized making alcoholics laugh was something I did at the dinner table and I don't need to do it anymore. It was like this. And I walked off stage. And How I far into the set? Not very far. And you're and the I headliner. Said, um, was I the headliner? Yeah. And then I called Rick and I said, uh, I can't do it anymore, Rick. I'm going home. He says, you got eight more gigs. You have contracted. And this took a lot of guts. I can't do it anymore. I don't, he says, what are you going to do? I go, I don't know, but I can't do this anymore. I just can't. I, I, I don't like being around people who are drunk. I, I don't like doing it. I, it's, I can't. I'm lonely. I have no relationship. 
I, I can't do this any. Why am I doing this? If For the money. Yeah. That's why I took a lot of guts. So, and what was I going to? Nothing. So I go home and... Um, hey, everybody. I hope you're enjoying this episode as much as I am. If you made it this far and you haven't fallen asleep yet, then you must be the type of person who's serious about having a career in the comedy business. That's why I'm offering you my Blueprint for Success, a one-of-a-kind all-access pass into my knowledge and experience after over 40 years of working with the best of the best in this crazy entertainment industry. I'll tell you all the stories, all the philosophies, give you all the great special guests, and even give you one-on-one -on -one private consultations to help you expand, enhance, and skyrocket your comedy career. Just go to barrycats.com and click on Blueprint for Success to learn more about my groundbreaking digital academy that I've created just for you. With it, we can take your career so far that one day, instead of listening to this podcast, you'll be interviewed on it. Now, when you go home, and you don't have to tell me this, but I'm going to ask anyway, how much of a nest egg do you have as you're going home to your place saying to yourself, I'm never doing another stand-up gig again, knowing that that was 100% of your income? Yeah, well, you know, it's shocking. Um, it's like, you know, people, they, you know, not making, a, I wasn't making a lot of money then. It was, I guess for the time it was good. I mean, I was what is it 1500 a week or something it wasn't it wasn't like killer money uh, i think i had saved up you know enough to live on for three months so in other words you had about five thousand in the bank yeah like five ten thousand in the bank but you made the decision i'm done i'm never going on stage again i don't know if i said i'm never going on stage but i just i just had a i just my mom had died you know and when your mom dies so your mom died how far before that gig at governor's a year, Rep? a year before that gig and you know every time i got successful i did a show in vegas i reached a caller and she's not there and there was a real emptiness you know i think i don't miss my mom when i'm doing poorly i i miss her when i'm successful well, because she was your biggest supporter. Yeah, she really was. So, so this is interesting. So, what am I going to do? I don't know. I think, you know what I'm going to do? Something really radical. I've never done this before. I'm going to get a job. I'm going to get a job. And I never had a job, really. I've always made a living from doing this. And so, I, I really had no job skills, which... <laughs> You can't get a job without jobs. So I rented an office in Westwood above Monty's. That was an office share. And I thought I'd do it like performance art. I'd see what it's like to go to work. Right? I'll just like practice going to work. So I go to work every day. And I thought maybe I'll write. I don't know. And people would say, what do you do? And I went nothing and i guess they assumed i was in management or something i had nothing to do and then a woman linda edelman said um hey do you need a job and i go yeah because it's really boring just coming to work every day with nothing to do she says will you type for me i'll give you ten dollars an hour and uh, i typed uh, she wrote books and she said you should write a book i don't know how to write you should write a book and i go 
All right. Well, the only thing I know about is stand-up comedy. You should write a book on how to do stand-up. I go, really? So I wrote it. And I go, uh, well, now what do I do? We just got to get an agent. So I submitted it to like three agents. They rejected it. They said, nobody wants to learn how to do stand-up comedy. I sent it out more, 12 more agents, came back, rejected, rejected, rejected. I sent it out to 59 agents, and they all rejected. And that's when my money started to run out, and I don't know what I'm going to do. And uh, I met someone on a plane who was an agent, number 60. She hadn't, I hadn't sent it to her. She liked it. She sent it to Random House. Guy there, Chuck Adams, loved it. Um, he published it, and someone else liked it. I got a call saying Oprah Winfrey loves your book, and she would like to have interview you on her show. Um, now, you know when Oprah holds a product or a book or a presidential candidate next to her, it, it just becomes famous. And, and the greatest part about this, too, the way I look at it, <laughs> there's two things. Number yeah. one, fate again. Fate again. The first fate, United Airlines or whatever airline it was. They lose your luggage. And so the second twist of fate is this situation here with your agent because you meet her on a plane. You know, you can choose any seat when you're putting your plane together. Well, the story's even, you know, I, even and the, and more the, interesting in a way because something happened that really turned things around for me, and this is what I attribute it to. And when I speak at corporations as a, um, an inspiring speaker, um, I, I, I tell them this because the reason I was at the airport was Irvin had called me and said, listen, there's a series or something, go audition in Denver. It's called Go Bananas, uh, some bullshit pilot or something. You got to get there tonight, though. And um, United Air or Del uh, whoever airline was like, um, you know, flight 32 to Denver is canceled. You know, go stand in line at customer service. And it was almost like, you know, the intercom was saying, Judy, you'll never get where you're going. And you know, mind you, I was running out of money. I was um, totally rejected from 59 agents. And I wanted to get to this audition. This audition was everything. And I get in line. You know what customer service is like. It's like, oh, my God, where can you still buy quaaludes? Everybody's slow motion in the gate attendant. Everybody's so angry. And I'm so angry. And I'm so stressed. And in that moment, I realized, you know, I'm not going to be a stressed out person. I'm not going to be another angry person going, I'm going to give this gate attendant a piece of my mind. You know, nobody wants a piece of mind. They want a piece of pie or a good looking, another piece in another part of your body. No one wants a piece of your mind. So when I get to the gate attendant, rather than yelling at him, I said, you know, I just want to say, I know my flight is canceled. He said, the one after that is sold out. But I just want to compliment you that everybody's been yelling at you and you've been handling them with, you know, professionalism. And I bet after handling this line of angry travelers, terrorists will be nothing for you. You rock. And I'm going to put 
you know, my bad travel day in your competent hands. And I was the only person in that line who wasn't angry. And he said, Miss Carter, I'm putting you in first class. Awesome. So that was a twist of fate that I feel became a motto for my life to come. That transformation of not being another angry person in line was what changed my life. And what's fascinating is both instances had to do with airlines. <laughs> I guess. Um, I think, you know, and, and that's when I met Annette Wells on that plane. And I didn't ever got to that audition, but that audition for that TV show, um, the TV show never happened. Maybe it aired once. It was canceled. Meanwhile, there I am on Oprah. The great thing about you got the call to do Oprah, but what most authors didn't have that you had, you've been training for this your entire life. You knew what it was like to panel and sit across from Mike Douglas. Yeah. You knew what it was like to sit across from a talk show host yeah. who throws you the softball and you come through with the information and the comedy so you were there on oprah and i imagine things went swimmingly well yes and she had uh, arranged a whole show around it about housewives who do stand-up and then she had me on as the expert and the next day i i got a call from a corporation who said, please come speak. And I go, oh, you want me to do comedy? Uh, you know, and he go, no, no, we just want you to talk about how to lighten up. And I went, really? And you're gonna pay me, what? Wh Wait a second, you're flying me first class? And I don't even have to say <laughs> that you're such a nice person that you've rearranged for, no, but the <laughs> thing is uh, for the audience to know, the corporate shows are the most lucrative shows in the world. When Bruce Jenner had won at the Olympics and he wrote the book, The Champion Within, he was making a quarter million dollars a show. But also, even if you're not well known, if you got $10,000, that would be considered a shitty amount of money for a corporate gig. It's crazy. And I went, what? I'll never forget this gig. It was, it was like the Fresh Produce Council or something. I mean, there was an avocado dancing behind me. I didn't care. I'm getting what, Four Seasons Hotel. Really? Since then, I've done... I've done hundreds of corporate events. I've been flown to um, Hong Kong and China. I've been, my book has been published in, it just came out in China actually, in, in uh, Russian, Romania, Sweden, London, flown all over the world um, to do corporate events as a motivational humorist with a message which led to another book on how other comics, I'm trying to get other comics to, to, you know, put a message in your comedy and you're gonna get paid 20 times as much. You know, have some takeaways, <laughs> right? Inspire which which was interesting is that your stand-up comedy, and I hope you don't jump over the couch and strangle me, your stand-up comedy, in my opinion, didn't have a message. Your stand-up comedy, in my opinion, didn't talk about your story. No. no really? No, no, let me tell you. The truth of the matter, wow. the matter okay. is, first of all, I was one of the first comics to come out and talk about being gay. Okay? In friggin' Texas. Okay. Okay? In friggin' Texas. 
Texas. I'm talking about television appearances that I've seen. Oh, oh, television appearances. No. I felt your comedy had something for everybody. It, you are so right as far as television goes. Yes. But I have to But tell that's you, all that people see that the show you did in Texas where you came out, there were 150 people. You do Mike Douglas, there's 7 million. But there's a reason for that. I know, but I'm telling, there's I'm a, just saying yes. what people saw. I know. I know, which pissed me off because you couldn't get on television if a woman, if you were totally honest. Okay? Yeah. I was doing feminist, really, really great, hard, edgy feminist humor. When was the last time you saw that on Conan? Uh, let me think. Never. Never. But I want to say something that, that is what I've recently learned, and you're so right about this. I needed people too much to love me. God. I'm gonna cry now, because it's really true. I needed people too much to love me, and I didn't understand that the way to really make it was to alienate a lot of people. And I couldn't get to that place, but let me tell you, some of the students that I've taught have, and I'm really proud of them like Hannah Gatsby. And when I saw Hannah's um, Netflix special, I went, thank you for doing what I couldn't do, Hannah. Thank you so much for doing that. Because when I was of that time, there was no place for that, for what Hannah's doing now. You know that's true, Barry, right? You know the sexism in the business. You know what went on then right yes. there was no fucking me too movement there was no way to even joke about that stuff you just had to navigate your way around it right and you there was no way you can complain or put up about it and the comedians the female comedians that did joke about it they do the innuendo comedy sort of like a three's company episode oh look lily was doing stories you know, Elaine Boozler couldn't get on, you know, did Carson once, but Carson didn't like her hair. I had a guy who said I looked like his ex-wife, and then every club I booked, he told them, don't book her ever again, or you can't get any of my clients. There was, like, such harsh things we had to do. Yeah, do I regret that the shit that's on TV is pedestrian as far as i can see is pedestrian yes do i wish that i could have my other stuff that i did that was in provincetown or you know um when i when when i when i really put myself out there yeah is it gonna get on tv no when your book came out for the audience hugely successful i say the comedy bible but i'm laughing at that because she wrote a book called the comedy bible but the point being is judy's books it, they were groundbreaking because nobody else was really writing them but what did surprise me of why they were so popular because i saw the stand-up that the world saw and you had to do and the books didn't match. The books were like, hey, have your point of view and get your story out. And what? And you had this great story about the disabled sister and the speech impediment and the alcoholic dad. And I'm doing it now. Okay. Oh, I know you are, so but no, I'm just... No, but no, you don't know that because I'm... This is my... my what I'm doing, the last thing that I ever want to do is now... The last I'm, thing? Well, it's, it's what I have to do now 
is is I'm doing my one person show, which I hope you come to. I would be honored. And um, and it's going to be finally I can get to the place of authenticity and talk about this stuff and get past trying to please people because that's what it's all about. Hey everybody, let me remind you one more time about my new blueprint for success. It's a project I've spent months and months working on just to help you jumpstart your comedy career and beat the competition. Whether you want to do stand-up, sketch, improv, acting, writing, producing, directing, radio, social media influencing, or even if you want a career behind the scenes as a manager or agent, Blueprint for Success will give you all the tools you need to take your career to the highest levels. With exclusive interviews, my top 50 commercial-free episodes from Industry Standard, one-on-one coaching with me, and unprecedented access into my knowledge and experience from over 40 years in this crazy business. I guarantee you that with Blueprint for Success, you'll become the creator you've always dreamed of becoming. No one's asking me to do this. I want to do it because I want to help you become truly undeniable. So just go to barrycats.com, click on Blueprint for Success, and start your incredible journey today. I truly can't wait to work with you to help you change the trajectory of your comedy career forever. Six degrees of separation. Six degrees of separation. I'm going to mention some names. Just tell me okay. a quick something, anything. Could go. be a sentence, could be a story, could uh-huh. be a few words. And go for it. Seth Rogen. Oh, well, Seth Rogen took my workshop when he was like, I think he was like 18, 17. His mother took him to the workshop. It was in Canada. I was doing um, a comedy workshop. And he was like again i i tried to get people to do what i feel i couldn't do which was to be more authentic and he was like so talented and so wonderful and that's all i have to say about seth really really a super great guy i admire how he like talks about just being stoned like i wouldn't want people to know that i just get stoned a lot i just admire that i think that's very cool andy kaufman well, he was my boyfriend when he came to... Uh, um, was that the final straw that got you to turn to the other day, side? That's what turned me, yeah. He was my boyfriend at the time. Um, he was your boyfriend. Andy yeah. Kaufman was your boyfriend. Yeah. And, um, and then Carl Reiner signed uh, me, Jay Leno, and Andy Kaufman to, uh, to do a pilot called The Nut House, where we were all living as comics in this place, and I was the girl, and and uh, George Shapiro, we met with him. Who's of course, Jerry Seinfeld's Carl. manager. And then George Carl. Shapiro signed Andy Kaufman and, and managed him. And uh, those, were, those were really crazy, wild days. And Andy and I would walk around, you know, Santa Monica Boulevard, and he would go into these porn stores as Lotke, that character. And it was just, you know, I like to buy a dildo. And it just was like so much fun. It was like performance art. Those were the days where it wasn't like people were looking for deals and, you know, and, um, you know, trying to get, make it. It was just like for the art of it. 
Think Andy was a genius or just nuts? Oh, he wasn't nuts at all. I don't think he was nuts. He, 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 one thing we had in common where we both loved our grandmothers, you know, he was, he was a nice Jewish boy. He came to Passover at my house, you know. Um, Amazing. I mean, I think it's hard when you get really famous and you have to keep that up. Like Sam Kennison, I have to be the angry guy, you know, or Andy had to keep up that crazy wrestling thing. I mean, I think it's hard to hold on to fame once you got it. But he just was whimsical and lovely. Ellen DeGeneres. Ellen was amazing. Um, I was playing a place called Clyde's Comedy Club. I was a headliner. She was the, she lived there, and she was the house MC. And I remember my buddy Monica Piper said to me, hey, there's going to be a girl comic. She's going to ask you all these questions. She really was so great at developing her career because she worked like every night as the MC. Everybody would come in. She'd ask us all these questions. Um, and and then she flew once she got her act and she really worked for years there she flew to san francisco not to la yet and developed her act even more developed a persona and then did a comedy contest won first place and then In came san to francisco. la yeah. came to la as a, you know as winning that con right on the t on the tonight show so was i thought Clyde's was in new orleans new orleans yeah oh, got okay billy crystal Ah, Billy, Billy was hanging out working the Ice House, and um, we... Uh, the Ice I, House, the oldest comedy club Bob, in the country yeah, in Pasadena. Yeah, Bob Fisher ran it, and, um, you know, he just was always amazing, doing stories and voices and everything. Um, Billy, it was just always obvious Billy was going to be such a huge star. Richard Pryor. Richard Pryor. Oh, my God. Shelly Bonus, his wife, and I were on the road a lot together. Um, Richard, to me, along with, oh, God, his name just went out of my head, um, Dick Gregory. Um, to me, Dick Gregory, Richard Pryor changed stand-up. Um, because they start because stand up was like white guys going, take my wife, please. Richard Pryor did act outs, what I call act outs in my book, where he jumped, he, he, he did a quick setup and he jumped into the scene. Like if he's doing the scene of a, a, comparing a white funeral where people are, oh, he died to a black funeral where they're throwing themselves on the grave going, I'm going with you. And he was so complete completely into the character and the act out and the scene. It was like, you are there. And that became the new way of doing comedy. Like rather than doing a turn, you do the act out. And then Robin Williams went off on that, like in the eighties and the cocaine driven days of the eighties to do it just faster. But I think prior really changed the face of comedy. Robin Williams. Robin, <laughs> Robin came to L.A. and oh my God, it was so funny. I was doing magic act then and I'd have, I was headlining, I had all my props around the stage. Robin would come on, pick up all my props and go and do all this improv with it and F up my entire act, <laughs> right? 
Oh my God, he was, you know, but what a lot of people don't get the genius of Robin because we did an HBO special uh, comedy thing together. And and people say, well, Robin, he's such a great improviser. Just improvises everything off the top of his head. Yes, he does a lot of improv, but I watched him rehearse. He says, I'm going to come here. I'm going to do the Shakespeare thing. Then I'm going to walk over here and then I'm going to do that, you know? And so the genius of Robin was he made it look spontaneous. He just, he, he just could recreate it and you felt like you were seeing it for the first time, whether it was improvised or not improvised. From the queen of... I prefer com- goddess. From the goddess of comedy <laughs> books... I want you to tell our audience Judy Carter's Mount Rushmore of comedy. The Mount Rushmore. Of- Who are the four heads on the mountain? Well, it changes all the time. Right now. Right now. It doesn't to have me, to be living or dead. Well, Gilda Radner's got to be up there because she was. Did she do stand up? Uh, oh, you're just doing stand up. Yeah, oh, damn you. Well, I'm, I'm just going to have to say it's going to be. Um, uh to me, Wanda Sykes, Chris Rock, Hannah Gatsby, and oh gosh. Living or Dead, those are your first three on Mount Rushmore. Well, it has to be Richard Pryor. Okay. Genius. Honorable mention? Ah. Uh, so many of people I just adore. But um, that's 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 who it's going to be. Okay. And a shout out to Kathy Griffin just for surviving all that shit lately. <laughs> awesome. Love her. Last three short questions. Your proudest moment in show business. Uh, it's was Oprah saying my name. I that has to be it. And. Um, standing on a stage being the only white person in a totally african-american crowd and connecting was beautiful and as a jew playing oman muscat oman to a total muslim audience and to training muslim leaders on how to be funny those are all my moments because right. they're so odd you know they're just so odd your biggest disappointment in show business and how you used it to fuel yourself to the next level oh geez well i think i think we talked about that i think the biggest one was just trying to do bright material and being heckled and you know that and leaving the stage and walking off I think that was that was the hardest and then getting my first TV show called That Thing on ABC um, and then being cut out of it at the last moment after telling everybody to watch <laughs> that was pretty bad being on a reality show where they told me I was supposed to make this guy funny and it ended up they just cut it so I looked like a real bitch but I invited all my friends over to see it and it was really humiliating <laughs> Anyway, I have a lot of humiliating stories. Oh, doing magic for um, a, a deaf camp, but getting there, and I had the wrong date, and everybody was blind, and that was really bad. <laughs> Last question. What advice do you have 
after all these books and all these seminars and all these speaking engagements, what advice do you have for the person who's growing up in maybe a toxic environment somewhere in the country? All the odds are against them. And how do they work hard and get to the next level and have the kind of amazing career that you've had? Oh, just, you know what? Take that material, the raw sewage of your life, and look for the funny. Look for the funny. It's always there. There's nothing so painful, so horrible, that you can't find a way to turn it. Awesome. Judy Carter, this has been amazing. Thank you so much. It's unbelievable that we sit across from each other and we've been in the same business for the same amount of time. And how many times have we met each other? I don't know. Hardly. Have we met? No. <laughs> That's so crazy. I know because I'm shy, actually. But you seem very familiar to me. I know, right? Because I've watched so much of you. Aw. Thank you so much. It was Thanks. incredible. I really appreciate it. Thanks, you, Barry. Okay, I'm going to scroll through the list of people who sent me a message, and one of these people will be a lucky winner. And they'll get to attend a podcast live with one of my guests, meet them, shake their hand, ask them a few questions, or else if they're out of town, out of state, or out of the country, we'll Skype them in or FaceTime them or anything like that so they can be there. Why not? So let me look here randomly and pick somebody. All right, landing on Cool PR Maven, May 15th, 2019. Heading reads every episode as a winner, five stars. They wrote, Barry has a sense of curiosity that benefits the listener. He drills deep and unearths insights, info, and perspectives not found elsewhere. Plus, he clearly has a vast Rolodex because his guests run deep, from headliners to producers and more. My faves are his interviews with comedians, and when I die, I want Barry to write my obituary because his introductions put federal dossiers to shame. <laughs> Pick an interview with someone you admire, and it will be the best podcast listening experience ever. Man, thank you so much, cool PR maven. You are a winner. As you know, I was fortunate enough to do a documentary surrounding the only living person to ever admit to killing JFK from the grassy knoll. This is a guy who spent 50 years in prison, just got out. And we have exclusive footage of his interview and over 20 different interviews, along with interviews with five of the greatest JFK assassination experts in the world. Once you watch these videos, your perception of the world and what happened that day will change forever. It's incredible. Just go to ikilljfk.com. You can pick up the documentary I Killed JFK and the rare interviews of five of the greatest JFK assassination experts in the world. I guarantee you, once you watch this footage, you will be blown away. To quote one of the experts in the film, when Trump said he wanted to drain the swamp, what do you think's at the bottom of the swamp? ikilljfk.com. Check it out. And here's a preview of the next very special episode. Felipe Esparza. Do it.
you can do it. You can do whatever you want. Don't let your environment dictate where you're going to go in life because I grew up in the projects and I've gotten, I've gotten to go to Europe to do stand-up comedy. And it doesn't matter if you don't have um, skills. If you want to be somebody, you could be whatever you want to be. But you got to practice. You got to practice at this every day. As always, this has been Industry Standard with me, Barry Katz. And if you like the show, tell all your friends. And if you don't like the show, tell all your friends. You get all the money, drive that fancy car. All the people love you, cause you're going for life is for the dreamers. They have all to gain. It's never quite over, so it all feels the same. You pick your own poison, dig your own grave down in the valley. A fortune. Thank you for listening to Industry Standard with Barry Katz. If you'd like more info on our schedule of new episodes or how to reach Barry through Twitter, Facebook, or email, go to BarryKatz.com. Before you leave, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast. Leave a comment and rate it, even if you think it blows. Thank you for your support and have a great day.